a reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. There are times throughout the Gospels where a question posed to Jesus is ignored, and instead a greater lesson is taught. Today is one of those days. An unknown person asks Jesus, Lord, will only a few people be saved? Now, if this were a good question in the eyes of our Lord, a handful of answers could have been given. Yes, only a few will be saved. Or, no, many will be saved. Or, What's it to you? Mind your own business and follow me. But the Lord doesn't answer this unknown person's question, at least not in the way he thought he was going to. Rather, Jesus calls the man back to the basics, and not just him. Notice how the Scripture says, He answered them all of those who were listening to him and traveling alongside him to Jerusalem. The question was not a good question in the eyes of Christ because there was something wrong with the heart of the man who asked it. Jesus' answer is a warning. It's a call to be vigilant and to keep our eyes fixed On the basics of faith, the Lord and his coming kingdom. From Jesus' answer, we learn that the man's question wasn't a good question because it was wrong-headed and it flowed from curiosity about the state of others instead of keeping first things first. As strange as it might be to say, 
we gathered here at Trinity Lutheran Church, one of the most beautiful Eucharistic communities around, are extremely vulnerable to the kinds of temptation that were at work in the man who questions Jesus in our text. This is a place where it is actually possible for us to just assume the one thing that is needful and preoccupy ourselves with temptation and sin. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I got it. Okay. The church got it. Doctrine got it. Preoccupy myself with other things. And this is exactly where Satan wants us. He wants us to be trapped in the monotony of our sin. He so desperately wants us to be concerned with the complexities of the world and the flesh so that he can lure us away from the simplicity of the divine and the heavenly. When we just assume that which is needful, when we cast our eyes away from Christ and his kingdom to the things of the world, we become those people who just run through the motions of faith without letting the gospel shape our lives. We hear the word, but we don't listen to it. We grasp Jesus with our minds intellectually, yet our hearts remain closed to his healing and his mercy. We become like those people who ate and drank in his company and whose streets Christ taught. We eat and drink of the Eucharist and we listen to Christ's teaching, yet our hearts are still hard and we act unmerciful and we, we, we remain slaves to our appetites. If Satan can get us to this point with his seductive lies and his cunning ways where we ignore our baptismal identity and lose sight of our belovedness in the Lord, we will certainly be the ones who stand outside of the master's house knocking and asking for the Lord to open the gate to us. We will be the ones to whom the Lord replies, I do not know where you are from. Or in another way, I don't see myself in your soul. If we forget the basics of faith, if we completely cast our hearts and our minds away from Christ, he will certainly be snuffed out of our souls. You can only serve just one master. This is the reason Christ tells us today to strive, or as the Greek puts it, to agonize to enter through the narrow gate. It's the reason the writer to the Hebrews encourages us to accept discipline and reproof from the Lord. Now, when we hear words like strive or discipline, 
or reproof, especially in relation to faith, we immediately either think of punishment or of works righteousness. Both things don't really work well with Lutherans. But it is not so. I mean, think about it. In every other aspect of our lives, these words, strive, discipline, reproof, are used to empower, strengthen, and grow. An athlete disciplines their body to grow in strength and skill. A child, and not often enough adults, are reproved in speech and in deed to mature them. And we humans are created as ones who strive because we are people of intellectual and physical progress. We are made to grow. So when we are told today to strive to enter the narrow gate and to accept discipline and reproof from the Lord, it is not to make us doubt the gift that Jesus gave to us. But he says these things to literally scare the hell out of your hearts. Get it all out. And then in doing so, to rouse us to lean into and live into our belovedness as children of God. You see, when our faith is strengthened through discipline and reproof, all of that ravages our souls is pruned away and only Christ remains illuminating the darkness. When we strive to enter the narrow gate of the kingdom, we are fixing our eyes on that which lies beyond the narrow gate. It's not just an empty narrow gate. I mean, what's, what's the point? No, beyond the narrow gate lies Christ, lies life eternal with our Creator and Redeemer. Striving discipline and reproof does not mean punishment or works righteousness. It means receiving and growing into the beauty of who we are called to be. So how do we do it? How do we strive to enter the narrow gate? How do we keep ourselves from running through the religious motions but not letting Jesus transform our hearts and our lives? Well, the answer is actually probably opposite of what you think. The only way to be first is to be last. The only way to be strengthened is to first admit your weakness. The only way to truly live is first to be killed. In a word, we need to get out of the way and let Jesus do his work in us. 
We need to let go and let the Lord heal our burdened hearts and bring us back to the basics and the beauty of faith that he and he alone has won the battle and now calls us to be a beautiful, righteous life that that shines his light in this world of darkness. For those who are outside of Christ and outside of the faith, it means being baptized into Christ, killing the old self in order that Christ might be put on, that they might be raised again to everlasting life. And for those of us who are of Christ, who have been baptized, striving and discipline and reproof looks a lot like entering that narrow gate in the back of our sanctuary, kneeling down before God and the one who sits in persona Christi saying, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And putting to death all of the sins that cling to you and opening your heart to receiving life and beauty and forgiveness. I'm, of course, speaking here of confession. If you've never done it before, or if it's been a long time since your last confession, it may seem unfamiliar or maybe embarrassing and even painful. But rest assured that in confession, the Lord does not sit before you as an unjust judge but sits beside you as a dear friend and Savior. So if you peek your head back into that room after the Eucharist today, you will see that the pastor sits to your side and listens to you as a friend. And you stare at a crucifix. There is your Savior. In confession, like the other gifts which God offers, the Lord takes your embarrassment and transforms it into confidence. Let me also just say, there's nothing that you can say to your pastors that will scandalize us, that will make us love you any less. And all of those things that you confess to us, we've taken an oath to give to the Lord and to let it die with us. The Lord takes that which is daunting and changes it into that which is joyfully familiar. He takes that which is painful or the discipline that seems painful in the moment and uses it to transform and to heal. He takes the last and the weak and the dead and makes them first and strong and alive. That's the joy that Jesus offers to you today. My friends, don't be led astray by Satan. Don't Don't just assume the basics of faith. Don't let your hearts grow hard against the Lord and merely run through the motions of faith. Instead, strive to enter the narrow gate. Accept discipline and reproof from the Lord because it is good. Lean into 
and live into your baptismal identity. Because on the other side of that narrow gate is that which our souls long for. Christ and his burning love for us. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.